0: Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Is One Born a Tzadik? You know, just, just a few weeks back I had the honor of hosting a family on Shabbos and we got into the most fascinating conversation and that was this very topic. Is a Tzadik born? When we look at people today and we say that they're a leader of the generation we say they're a Rebbe, they're a Tzadik. Were they born that way from their youth? Or is this something they achieved? Dr. Yosef, what do you think the answer is? Are you born a tzaddik? Do you become a tzaddik? And I think they
1: achieve
0: it. You achieve a tzaddik. Yeah. And everyone could be a tzaddik. Is it? In
1: theory.
0: In theory, okay. Yeah. Fair? We're gonna, we're gonna soon see more. Garrison, what's your thoughts?
1: Um, Well, based on everything we've learned up until now, I don't want to disregard a year's worth of (laughs) learning, it it seems as though they are very rare individuals who are maybe perhaps born with that.
0: Good, we've mentioned that perhaps.
1: And also based on the fact that it seems a lifelong struggle, positive struggle, Just to be a Vaynerni, it it would seem like it would be almost impossible to attain that
0: Seemingly, it's not. Seemingly, perhaps, based on the previous classes we've had, that our task is to be that middleman. Perhaps we can't all be a tzaddik. We'll we'll look more into this. But before I go ahead, I must share with you a phenomenal story I just heard. And it talks about the pintalayit. Have you heard the expression, the pintalayit? The, the, the Jew at heart, the deep. There was a professor who came and he started complaining to the rabbi. He says, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't stand this. Every time someone does something good for me, I dig a little deeper and I find that it's for selfish reasons. Every time. Everyone is selfish, self-centered. This world is, I, I don't have time for this. It's, it's frustrating. And there he turns to the man and he says, You know, take a rose and uproot it, dig. You're going to find ugly dirt. You're right. Under, under this beautiful, beautiful garden, the most majestic garden you'll ever go to, under it is, is just dirt, ugly dirt. But if you dig deeper, you're going to find diamonds and jewels, you'll find the the rich soil, you'll find the greatest treasures are buried in the ground. And the same thing is with every Jew. Yes, if you initially dig, you may just find dirt. You may just find that on an exterior level they're doing it for selfish reasons. But we have to dig to the essence of every Jew. We have to get to the essence of the ground, and that is the essence of the Jew. You know, the biggest curse word that used to exist the biggest curse you could tell someone was you could call him an Am Haaretz An Am Haaretz means you know, a farmer yeah. so <laughs> Rabbi Rabbi Sorol Baal Shem Tov, he came and he said an Am Haaretz Am Haaretz literally translated it's a curse to call someone Am, a nation of of the land a person who deals with the ground Rabbi Seol Baal Shem Tov, he came and he said the biggest compliment in the world you could ever give someone is to call them an Amharetz. Why? Look at the ground. Exactly like we said previously. When you dig, the greatest treasures are in the ground. When you dig deep inside of the soil, you'll find the most magnificent and wonderful treasures. And so to call someone an Amharetz, a man of the ground, to compare him, that, that's beautiful, that's true. Each and every one of us, if we dig deep, we're going to find the most beautiful, most majestic person. And each one of us in our own lives has certainly met that person who you could see within him, the pintal Ayyid. Previously we we spoke about in previous chapters how the Benin only has self-control over his thought, speech, and action. And today we're going to start discussing the Tzadik. To have control of your emotions is something that is beyond an average person. It is not expected from an average person To be able to have self-control over his love, over his fear. Like we've spoken previously, the Bainani, at any time and day, if he sees something attractive, any type of pleasure, his initial response will be to be attracted to it. He can't control that love or that fear he could make sure he won't do anything with it. He could c- control his thoughts, speech, and action. He could make sure that that desire is going to initially, it, it immediately leave his mind. He won't speak about it. He won't do it. But again, the Bainani does not have self-control over his emotions. And that's what we're going to learn now, that tzaddik has full control. Let's see this inside. We're in chapter 14, page 62. I apologize. Chapter 14, page 60. Page 60, bottom of the right-hand paragraph. There's a little 27 Tevet there. Bottom paragraph. Here we go. It is different, however, with something that is entrusted to the heart. The Bain, he has full control over his thought, speech, and action, but when it comes to things to the heart, namely that the evil should actually be despised in the heart and abhorred with absolute hatred or even not quite so absolutely if you recall we've discussed in chapter 10 two types of a tzaddik, a tzaddik which completely despises uh, evil or a tzaddik which almost completely despises evil with whichever one only a tzaddik who has this complete hatred has the ultimate love for Hashem. Let's continue, next page. An intense love of God. Only a tzaddik, who has the ultimate animosity towards evil, will have the ultimate love of God. What type of love? The kind of ecstatic love. Ahava b'tanugim. And divine bliss, which is, which is similar to the world to come. Miziv Hashina. We we discussed in previous classes the idea of Gan Eden. In the world to come, when a person when the soul leaves this world, it goes to the Garden of Eden. And what is the Garden of Eden over there? The souls, Miziv the souls have pleasure from a ray of the Shekhinah. That is what happens in Gan Eden. A tzaddik has such an intense fiery love for Hashem. An ecstatic love that it's similar to the love of every soul in Gan Eden, similar to the love of every soul in the Garden of Eden. That means in this world, a tzaddik experiences Gan Eden. And this now will explain to us a passage that our rabbis used to bless one each other with, one each other. When Rebaruch would leave from Rab Gershom when one tzaddik would leave from another, they would bless each other. <speaking in Hebrew> you shall see your world in your lifetime. Literally, the, the blessing meant that you should have a happy life. To quote again, you shall see your world in your lifetime. You should see your world, your, your physical world should be peaceful. But if we look at this on a deeper level, what were the rabbis telling each other? You shall see your world to come in your current lifetime. You should be blessed. Each and every one of us should be blessed that in this world we should see Gan Eden. We should be a tzaddik. A tzaddik in this world has that divine bliss. Has a, enjoys a ray of the shechim. <coughs> That's what the tanya continues of this experience. The rabbi said, you shall see your world in your lifetime. A tzaddik has the ultimate hate and the ultimate love. Ultimate hate for anything against Hashem, ultimate love for Hashem. And not every man can attain this state. This ultimate level, not every person can come to. For this is the nature of a gracious reward, to be, to be able to be a tzaddik, to be able to be someone who enjoys Gan Eden in this world, to be able to be someone who completely hates evil and loves Hashem is a reward as it is written I will make your priestly office a rewarding service It's a reward, as is explained elsewhere. To be a tzaddik is a reward. Can you become a tzaddik? The answer is yes, hopefully, because you have the soul of a tzaddik. But can a benini become a tzaddik? No. Hashem created souls that have the potential for a tzaddik. And Hashem created souls that have the potential of a benini. And this is why, let's continue Therefore, Eoiv said Tzadikim In chapter 1 we quoted Eoiv, Job who said That God, you created Tzadikim You created righteous people You created wicked people How could Eoiv, How could Job say Hashem created A righteous person Seemingly you have to become a righteous person No, no, no Hashem created souls with the potential of, to, of tzaddikim. Not every soul has the potential to be a tzaddik. And this similar idea we find in the Zohar. It is also found in Tikune Zohar that in the souls of the people of Israel there are many kinds of levels and distinctions the Zohar shares with us there are pious men, strong men who gain mastery over their nature scholars of the Torah, prophets and so on and continues the Zohar let's focus here at Tzadikim and so forth note there look in the Zohar you'll see that it says Hashem created some people to be a Tzadik some people to be a Murray Torah different types of people so what we see clearly here is that, no, not everyone has the potential to be a tzaddik. Not everyone has the ability to gain mastery over their emotions. Yes, some people are created with greater souls than others. We discussed this in chapter 2, that, every, that the, the whole Jewish people is one person. And that means there are souls that are the head, there are souls that are the feet. But the head needs the foot, and the foot needs the head. We're all one united body. But there are heads. If you recall, we discussed that Rebbe, what does the word Rebbe mean? Rebbe is comprised of three letters, Resh, Bay Yud. And Resh, Bay Yud, is an acronym for three words. Does anyone recall which three words Reish Bez Yud stands for? It stands for Rosh. Rosh means mm-hmm. Head B'nai Yisrael of the Jewish people. A rabbi means that he is the head of the Jewish people. We are all part of this body and we're all equally important. But, shares Tanya that yes, there are some people that have the potential for a tzaddik and some people that have the potential for Benini. Any questions? Dr. Yosef, I see a question. Well,
1: <laughs> now I was thinking about a violinist. I mean, there's some people who are, who are um, maybe born with the potential to be a great violinist, but they still have to practice, or they'll never realize the potential. So wouldn't, wouldn't it be somewhat similar?
0: Exactly, 100%. Because you have the soul of a tzaddik, does not mean you're going to be a tzaddik. 100% correct. Let me share with you a story.
1: In other words, you have to practice, even if you are a
0: tzaddik. You are not born a tzaddik. No, you are not born a tzaddik. When we discussed initially, the initial discussion at the beginning of class, correct, at the beginning of class, are you born a tzaddik? The answer is no. People are born with the potential to be a tzaddik. But it's something you have to do. Let me share with you the following story. To quote, this story happened with Reb Shmuel, the Rebbe Marash. Happened about 150 years ago. It was late in the afternoon when Reb Shmuel, accompanied by two gaboyim, two of the people that would take care of his chassidim and his his, his, uh, his uh, followers, they arrived in Paris, France. The purpose of the, stri- of the trip was unclear to the two escorts, the two gaboyim. Before leaving, the Rebbe only told them where we are going, Paris, France. Where will we stay, the, the two attendants asked. The Alexander Hotel. The and the attendants, look at each other in great surprise. The Alexander Hotel was the most beautiful and most expensive hotel in all Paris. And even wealthy businessmen didn't permit themselves the luxury of staying. They are only kings. And high-ranking aristocrats were accustomed to entering this majestic hotel. So the gaboyim are like, the attendants are like, wow, this is something out of the ordinary. But wait, that's not the exciting part. They reach the reception and the rebbe, fluent in French, turns to the receptionist and asks for three expensive rooms. You ever walked into a hotel and said, what's your most expensive room? Normally say what's your cheapest room. He says, what's three expensive rooms? The receptionist tells the Rebbe that for 200 francs each, each uh, night, you get a decent room, such and such. A high price, but the Rebbe says, not, not good enough for me. Perhaps you have rooms that are even more expensive. I'm referring to the rooms that are right near the game rooms and the casino. Okay, the receptionist, he looks at the Rebbe, anyways, he checks his book and he's, he's smiling and he says, you know, yes, yes, we have we have rooms near the casino and he gives a very high price for these three rooms. The Rebbe goes to his room and the two attendants go to their rooms and for a while everyone is in their rooms when all of a sudden the Rebbe leaves, leaves his room and walks directly into the casino. All of the players all of a sudden They're all shocked You know, you walk, you're, you're playing in the casino And all of a sudden here comes A rabbi, And they're like, something's wrong the, his, This saintly man doesn't belong here And near one of the tables There was a young Jewish man Playing cards In front of him was a glass of wine And he was sipping the, he, he was sipping the wine And the Rebbe sat down Right near him for a while the Rebbe just sat studying the man while the man was busy in his game completely focused didn't even recognize someone near him When all of a sudden the Rebbe put his arm on the young man's shoulder the man shocked looks and the Rebbe says young man it is forbidden to drink non-kosher wine and not only that, but forbidden wine defiles the heart and mind. Forbidden wine defiles the heart and mind. <laughs> that was the whole conversation in the casino. Gerebi stands up, not waiting for any response, and returns to his room. Late that night, the young, this young Jewish man is wandering around the hotel asking, Where is that rabbi? One of the attendants, one of the two gabayim, sees him and he tells him the appropriate room. The young man remained in the rabbi's room for a while. No one is clear what the discussion there was. Nonetheless, the next day the rabbi goes, pays his bill. And that's, that was his trip to Paris, France, to the casino. his attendants asked him, they said, what's the story here? It's not every day you go into a casino. Who is this young man? And and the Rebbe shares, very connected to our discussion. It's been many years since a soul as pure as that young Jewish man playing in the casino descended into this world. But his soul was in captivity by the forces of unholiness. That young Jewish man playing cards and simping non-Jewish wine. It's been many years since such a great soul came into this world. And unfortunately that soul was in captivity by the forces of unholiness. Very powerful story. Exactly like Dr. Yosef said, and I'm happy he brought that up. Yes, 100%. You're not born a tzaddik. You're born with the potential to be a tzaddik and unfortunately it could be used in, an, in a negative way. You don't have, to, no one's forcing you to fulfill your potential. <laughs> Does that answer... Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? No. Okay. You know, in chapter one we quoted the Gemara which shares that right before the fetus is born, Tanya Basway gimel Mashpi Tzadik, the fetus is sworn. And here is the exact quote of the oath that this fetus makes moments before it's born. Tahit tzadik, be a tzadik, the Al Tahi Rush and don't be a Russia, don't be wicked. Now that's superfluous. Tahit Tzadik, be a tzadik and don't be a Russia. I don't understand. Do you want me to be a tzaddik or do you now want me to be a Russia? And they're very, <laughs> to the big contrast between the two. What is the oath here? It's like, you tell a man, you know, swear you didn't steal $500. And that, no, I, 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 the example wouldn't fit. But nonetheless, what is this oath? To eat tzaddik, be a tzaddik, and don't be a Russia. It's one or the other. Oishmendel, clear question? Yeshua has a question clear? It's not my question. The Tanya a- asks this question clearly right now.
1: Well, it's a statement, not a question, is it not?
0: No. Let, no. Let's, let's see. Now we can understand, continuing in Tanya, or, or you what is the meaning now the we can understand the redundancy of the oath, be righteous, tzadik, can be not wicked. So it's not written as a question but the question is being asked. Why is there this redundancy? Why are we saying be a tzaddik and don't be a Russia? They're very different.
1: If you have the potential to be a tzaddik
0: maybe you have the potential to act as a Russia. Ooh, that's a very fascinating thought. Free will? Very fascinating. I didn't think about this. We have to tell a person who has the potential to be a tzaddik. We tell them your potential is so great that God forbid... You could go solo. Fascinating insight. Fascinating insight. But one question on that insight: This oath to be a tzaddik and not to be a rasha is not only made to a tzaddik. Every single soul, every Jewish soul before it's born, makes this oath. Which actually leads us now to a second question: Why does a beni have to make an oath, be a tzaddik? It's a lie. How could you make? someone with the potential only to be an average person, swear, I'll be a tzaddik? We're going to talk about that later. Let's put that question aside. But right now we're focusing, why are we making you swear, I'll be a tzaddik and I won't be a rasha? Everyone, a tzaddik and a alike. And the answer now is crystal clear. A bainani cannot be a tzaddik. So to the tzaddik, you tell him be a tzaddik. But to the Bainani, you can't tell him to be a tzaddik, he can't be a tzaddik. So to the Bainani, you say, don't be a Russia." You know, in education, we're always talking about this idea that you never want to try and push children beyond what they could do. You always want children to, so to say, shoot for the stars. The, the potential of a child the potential of anyone is certainly beyond our capacity of, of, of understanding they could do much more than ever imaginable but there are, there's a certain point in time where you don't want to always tell your child to be a doctor, unfortunately your child may not have the ability to be a doctor you don't want to constantly tell your child to be a rabbi, he may not have the capability the, the, whatever is necessary to be a rabbi so the same thing, how could we tell someone to be a tzaddik he can't be a tzaddik it's physically not possible, Hashem didn't give him he, he, he doesn't have the makeup to be a tzaddik So to him we say, and don't be a Russia. Hmm. So that statement
1: applies to beynes, not to Sadiqan?
0: This statement, be a tzaddik and don't what be a is Russia, refer- Is to every single Jewish bo- child Every single Jew before he's born
1: Okay, whether you're whether you're a tzaddik or a beyni hmm. or a Russia. Everyone
0: yeah, let's see it inside.
1: So the idea is that they could strive to be a they, they don't necessarily know that they're, they're not inherently a Yeah. but the more likely they are to approach that higher level, then the less likelihood they'll be a Russia.
0: Exactly. I mean, not exactly. Uh, 99% we're going to say right here. Well, the flip,
1: the flip side of it, and this is common sense, and that is that when you're aspiring to be something, You may fall short. You no. I mean, you aspire to what you want to be, and you also aspire to avoid what you don't want to be. I mean, the two go hand in glove.
0: That's an interesting perspective. Basically, you're saying what to avoid
1: and what to uh, reach for. Right.
0: Right. Uh, That that's certainly you know one method of understanding. I think over here we're just taking it a, a step deeper, which is that. In other words, Yeshua is saying on a very simple level, you're telling a child before he's born, be a tzaddik and don't be a rasha. In other words, the, the angel is talking to the child and laying it out clearly. And that's certainly true. But over here, we're, we're learning at an even deeper level, that the angel is saying, aspire to be a tzaddik. But you may not be able to be a tzaddik, make sure not to be a rasha. In other words, actually, we're saying they're two separate things. Do your best to be a tzaddik, but that may not be you. Don't be a rasha. Now we can understand, page 62, right-hand column, now we can understand the redundancy of the oath. To he, tzaddik, be righteous, and be not wicked, which is unintelligible at first glance. Since he is warned, be righteous, to he, tzaddik, where is the need to put him on oath again, that he shall not be wicked? Just make, make one oath. Be a tzaddik. The answer is that in as much as not everyone is privileged to become a tzaddik, nor has a person the full advantage of choice. In this matter, you're not given a choice to be a tzaddik, to experience true delight in God, and to actually and truly abhor evil. The ability to be a tzaddik is not in your hands. So therefore, he is consequently adjured a second time. You shall, at any rate, not be wicked. Here, the right of choice and freedom is extended to every person. Every person has the ability, as, as we quote here, the choice and freedom, to check the drive of his heart's desire. And to conquer his nature. This is it, it's within us. So that he shall not be wicked even for a moment throughout his life. Whether in the realm of Tsur Meirah, turn away from evil, or in that of Ase Toiv, doing good, whether we're talking about abstaining from evil or doing good, we have full self control and ability to do. And when we say that a person should do good, what is the ultimate good? There being no good other than Torah. That is the study of the Torah which balances them all. So each and every one of us have the full capability of, doing, of abstaining from evil and doing good. Okay? Here we've to put it all together. We've said that not everyone could be a tzaddik. People are born with the potential to be a tzaddik. You're born with the potential to be a bainani. It's, it's in your hands how you're going to use that potential. But nonetheless... There's a limit. Either a tzaddik or a bainani. however Hashem made us. And thus, right before the child is born, he's he's sworn, try your best to be a tzaddik, but do not be a rasha. That you certainly have the self-control. So you say, as we've said in the title page of Tanya, it's close to you, it's close to your heart. You have the ability to be in full self-control. I'd like to share with you a fascinating Gemara. You know, we mentioned that the ultimate good is Torah. And this, firstly, I must share with you a really cool, forgive me for that terminology, (laughs) (laughs) I must share with you a really exciting Torah insight. Awesome, thank you, thank you, Barra. You know, in Pirkei Avos, we say that to be a free man, anyone recall? What is a free man in Pirkei Avos? Pirkei the Mishnah says, "Who is a free man? Someone who learns Torah." And this is truly goes against popular th- thinking. A free man is someone who is confined to six hundred and thirteen mitzvot. Someone who is confined to thousands of Torah laws. That's a free man. That is free. How could that be freedom? An animal The ultimate animal Is an animal Who does What his species do The ultimate horse Is a horse who's able to run And he's healthy It's not a horse Who's going to act like an elephant The ultimate elephant Is not an elephant Who's going to act like a donkey Hashem has created each animal Each species with, With their capability And the only happiness, or the ultimate happiness they're going to have is if they're going to use that their full potential. A Jew's full potential is Torah. When, when a person says, I'm free because I don't do Torah, it's nonsense. He, he may imagine he's free, but he's actually trapped. He, he's, he's not able to be himself. He may in his mind, believe that he's free and he is nothing... But he's acting... He's acting like something else. When the, the Mishnah says the ultimate free man is someone who learns Torah because to be yourself, you'll only be yourself. You're only going to truly express yourself if you do what Hashem wants. And I bring this up because we just mentioned what is good. What is good, Michael? What did the Tanya say? Quoting from a Brachot 5a. Ain Tovela Torah. The Tanya just said that there being no good other than Torah. The ultimate good is Torah. And the Gemara sharing this quote says a fascinating insight. I'll quote it to you. Ah, Rabbi Zay, Rabbi Rabbi Chanina bar Papa. Rabbi Zay, Zay, and some opinions say that this quote was said by Rabbi Chanina bar Papa. Boy, you midas hakadosh baruch hu midas Basar vadam. Hashem is not even close to the human characteristics. Midas Basar vadam, a human. Ada meicher cheifitz lachaveira. You sell an object to your friend, right? You sell diapers. So, the seller is very sad. What? Baruch, are you sad when you sell? <laughs> no, no, no. This is talking, we're talking here about a seller who was forced to sell. Someone who was forced. You're for, the seller, he's very sad, and yet the buyer, he's, he's glad. But is not that way. Hashem gave the Yid in the Torah and there was no reward for Hashem and yet he's very glad how do we see this? Hashem says I have given you a great portion and don't abandon my Torah Hashem says how glad he is fascinating insight the ultimate good is Torah and, and if you look carefully in Tanya actually we're learning something tremendous the hardest thing in the world one of the hardest mitzvahs, is the mitzvah of learning Torah why is it so hard on the on the one hand learning Torah it's, it's awesome you get involved the brilliance is phenomenal you can learn a piece of Gomara and, and there's nothing like it so what's so hard about learning Torah because the mitzvah of learning Torah is vihagisabo yomam v'layla. The Torah says you want to fulfill one of the 613 mitzvot, We need to learn Torah day and night. Vihagisabo, you should be diligent in the Torah yomam v'layla, day and night. And yet, we're saying that the Beinani has the ability to be on top and in check of all the mitzvot, even asei tov, even the good, which is good as a reference to. Torah. Okay? Let's just put it all together again. So we've said that the Bainani he has his potential and and the Tzaddik has his potential and each one has to be, has to have an oath, be the ultimate you could be. Any questions? No? Okay. But this leaves us with a fantastic question. So why is the Bainani told be a Tzaddik? If a Beinani cannot be a tzaddik, so why is the angel wasting his time and wasting the child's mind saying be a tzaddik? He can't be a tzaddik. It's truly, it's torture. If you go to a child that cannot be a doctor and you tell them, you say, "Yankel, I want you to know my life's dream is for you to be a tzaddik, you're being unhumane. You're mean. It's cruel. If you go to your child and you say, I want him to be a, an engineer, and, and his mind just is not cut out for it, you're not a nice person. Of course, I understand. Parents say things to their children and they don't at all, God forbid. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just sharing a point that it's not fair to try and, and especially make an oath, a promise. That means when the child, when he's going to pass away and he, he didn't fulfill his promise. Imagine... Yeah, the the example is much greater imagine a father goes to his son and he says swear to me you're going to be a rabbi and the child has no chance of being a rabbi swear you'll be a doctor and the child has no chance and yet Hashem is having an angel come to every child and making him swear he'll do something he can't be a tzaddik he can't so why is that oath made and like Moshe Mandel mentioned before we heard this earlier the oath be a tzaddik, is not that you need to be a tzaddik. The oath be a tzaddik is, do the best you can to be a tzaddik. Don't think that you just need to be a bainani. Strive to be a tzaddik. Do your best. A tzaddik has control, as we mentioned, over his emotions. Do your best to be in check with your emotions. Don't say, don't leave tonight. And say, you know, Gersh is going to listen and he's going to say, look, I wish I'm a me, So I don't need to worry anymore about my emotions. Let them do whatever they want. As long as I'm in check with my thought, speech, and action. I could love anything I want. I could hate anything I want. No. You need to try your best to be in check with your emotions. You may not be able to Completely, but try your best. So again, why are we making this child swear, be a tzaddik, because we're telling him, do your best to be a tzaddik. Let's see that inside. Nevertheless, although to be a tzaddik is not certainly something, that's that's within our control, nevertheless, a person must set aside specific periods in which to commune with his soul in order to cultivate the abhorrence of evil, We have to try our best to connect with your soul to cultivate the hate of evil. The Gemara in Shabbos 152a, a fascinating Gemara. And the Gemara shares, it says, the relationship of a man and woman, if if people would, would think about it, they would never get married. If you'd think about the act of uniting between a spouse it's a very, very low act and, and I'll quote to you the Gemara so we'll better understand the context here the Gemara says Amar Avkana, Avkana said what does the Torah mean? Kihu Amar Vayahi the Torah says that Hashem decreed and it was what is this a reference to? this refers to the creation of a woman remember that Hashem created man and then, Adam wasn't happy. He said he wants a partner. So Hashem created Chava. <laughs> Hashem commanded and it stood. This refers to children. Why, continues the Gemara? Because naturally, um, if, if a man would think about what's happening, He wouldn't. Men and women wouldn't want to marry each other. So, just to be clear, the Gemara's terminology is a little rough, but it's trying to make a point here. Again, it's trying to be clear that naturally the connection between man and woman would never happen. And that's what the Gemara. That's what the Tanya continues here. That one of the thoughts that if if a man unfortunately has has a lust for woman. So one of the things that he could think about. As, for example, reminding himself of the admonition of our sages that during when a woman has her period, she is a vessel full of filth and in a like manner. Again, not to be taken, God forbid, in the wrong context. The Gemara is trying to share that the miracle of marriage is one of the miracles of Hashem. But if a person has a problem with an addiction, an unhealthy addiction, so the Torah, the, the Torah is giving us guidance how you could overpower it. And that is one of the thoughts that a Bainani could have. How could a Bainani get in check with his you know, unfortunately, if a Bainani has negative negative desires? So this is one of the thoughts, this is one of the thoughts he could bring to his mind, and similarly, so too uh the Baini can think that all delicacies, the end of a delicacy, remember, after you eat something, it's just a little time until comes something else Philip so turns into a vessel full of filth So here already we have two methods of controlling certain desires not only, We're not talking about controlling it in thought, speech, and action In thought, speech and, speech, and action that you have as we mentioned whether it's the inner love There's different methods Here we're talking about being in check with your actual emotion We said emotions are something that is given over to the tzaddik But over here we're saying that nonetheless of there are certain emotions he's able to control. And there's different methods he could do it. And just like it is by the two he mentioned likewise in regard to all pleasures of this world the wise man foresees what becomes of them for in the end any pleasure is going to rot and become worms and dung. The end of everything. And so if, if a person, again, if a person is caught up in, in lust in any area of life, let him recognize that that pleasure is temporary and at the end of the day, it's, it's going to end up being something else. So in summary, why is a soul told, be a tzaddik if you can't be a tzaddik? Because there are methods of controlling your emotions. It is impossible. It is impossible for a tzaddik to have full control over his emotions. I apologize. It is impossible for a beni to have full control over his emotions, but it is possible for a beni to have some control over his emotions. So now, when we go back and we say, "Why is the soul told to heat tzaddik, be it tzaddik and don't be don't be be it tzaddik and don't be wicked?" The Bainani soul is told, "Be it tzaddik. Do your best to be in control over your emotions, but it's not fully in your power." And therefore, don't be wicked, be a Bainini. Are there any questions? This is a woman
1: who's like a vessel full of filth. Does that refer
0: to Buntami? It's referring to a time of a period, Yeah. Or is it just the attraction to a woman? If your soul is advanced, your lips will curl in disgust at the thought of sex. And I think isn't that? But they don't not to be attracted to a woman. Doesn't say her period there. <laughs> it's note twelve. Huh? It, note twelve. Look, look at note twelve. Um, but also, I'm really happy you brought note that. Note sixteen. Note. I'm. Um, I'm sorry. Note sixteen. <laughs> sixteen. Okay. And I'm really happy you brought that up because uh, in Torah, actually, the holiest act possible is the act of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, The Gemara shares that there was... The Gemara shares that there was a student who he learned everything from his teacher. And he would basically follow around his teacher. And uh, he did something inappropriate. He hid in a closet in the teacher's bedroom and he saw his teacher being intimate
1: oh, there you
0: and later on he told his teacher, he said I have to tell you the truth, he said I saw it happen and it was too much, it looked, it looked like too much it was you were too excited and the teacher responded, he said that on the contrary someone who's following the Torah path and they recognize that Hashem has commanded us this is the holiest thing so they're they're able to actually truly appreciate and connect with what's happening so I think it's very important I don't want to take away God forbid that the marriage of man and woman is, is negative it's not negative it's the holiest thing in the whole world all we are saying here is that if a person unfortunately has a terrible terrible lust for a woman which is one of the um, lowest issues, and it could, God forbid, lead to something terrible. So then a, uh, so then a person could think um, this thought. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I want to be clear and, make, and clarify again that men and women are, Hashem says that's the greatest thing possible. Well, it is nice in marriage, but the culture today isn't going like that and that's, at all, and it's all about sex, and that is the evil. Is, and that's I mean, terrible. It's, it's and and terrible. that is it's our sad. job. It's right. sad, yeah. Our job is to bring back the sanctity of marriage. Yes?
1: could it also... Isn't it just a, a way, like you were saying, a way to help you control your emotion by... Like, for example, some people have a gambling problem. Yeah. So you're thinking, oh, I'd love to gamble. But then, if you're, if you're using your thought properly, you'll think, well, tomorrow when it's all over, I may have lost hundreds of <laughs> Gambling
0: dollars. is easy. I mean, literally, right.
1: <laughs> it's teaching you to think about, in the end, everything just becomes nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it could be anything.
0: Absolutely, Tanya says clearly, after we spoke about the first two, um, whether it's a lust for woman or um, like physical desires, the Tanya continues. Likewise, likewise in regard to all pleasures of this world. think about what's going to happen to it. Think about the end of the day. M Mendel. you had a question? I'm sorry I thought no, I,
1: no. I was just thinking in terms of addiction that, that, that's
0: a complex thing Okay, good evening everyone and thank you very thank much. You. Thank you